Bibles this morning through the book of Second Peter. Second Peter was written because of First Peter. more ways than one actually uh, Peter actually sent the second letter because of the first letter because uh, the first letter had to deal with uh, problems without the church second Peter deals with problems in the church in the body of believers uh, and in this day that Peter wrote this uh, they saw a lot of things that that uh, being the, the pioneers of the early church uh, they saw things, they were faced with things, they had to deal with, with a, a tremendous amount of issues. And that's what we find in many of their addresses, as we see in the part of the Holy Word today, the, the addresses that the Holy Spirit relayed through them to the congregations, if you will, that existed in their day. And some of them were, I guess, probably fairly small assemblies. Some of them were large, you know, of the early church there on the day of Pentecost afterwards. There were thousands being saved every day. Can you imagine? That's a lot of people to deal with, isn't it? That's a lot of people to try to encourage and lead and teach. And uh, that's what all these writers of the Word were involved in, is uh, declaring to these early bodies of believers the ways of God, what God expected what God wanted because you know above all God knows all and he knows that the church must thrive and, and be in accord and harmony and unity uh, and fulfill the, the scriptural pure evidence before us of God's will and then that's when we're strong so we find here in, in Second Peter and I want to give kind of a little bit of, uh, of uh, kind of where he's at and what's going on here uh, Peter being an apostle of Christ you know, with apostolic power does everybody understand apostolic power uh, the apostles were granted a, a significant and a special uh, supernatural power uh, with apostolic authority that they bore as they walked this earth as they ministered the word of God and we see that in many instances supernatural things accomplished in their ministries uh, and that was the case in that day uh, there was involved within that a boldness a boldness to proclaim the word uh, regardless of whatever resistance they might meet and we find Peter himself was in jail like Paul many times uh, they didn't like the preaching God's word back in those days uh, they'd pluck them up and throw them in jail because of it huh? Anybody been noticing anything? Yeah. A few preachers going to jail now for <laughs> preaching the word of God. Uh, something probably going to see increase. Anyway, that's neither here nor there with the message this morning. But here in Second uh, Peter, he begins to really touch uh, not so much on the, the dangers of the false prophets and the things on the outside and all the issues dealing with worldly things and secular society and, and all that we can kind of associate with uh, in some degree even though we're way down the road a couple thousand years later after Peter penned this anointed of the Holy Spirit uh, he began to talk about uh, some other issues and uh, about the individual's relationship with the Lord but he highlighted that 
by going back to some of the things he said in the first letter that he wrote because he knew it needed to be emphasized and he knew it needed to be repeated. Uh, so that's what we find him here doing as he's, he's trying to address and trying to bring about people's recognition and knowledge of the personal, the personal issue of the relationship with the Lord. And that's, you know, it's not just to a select few. It's not just to a select few here this morning. It's everybody in this house. Uh, God's word is directed toward everyone that hears and will receive. Of course, when we receive it, we're better for it. As in the case with Peter then, some received, some didn't. As in the case today, some received, some don't. Uh, but we're always better in receiving. But the uh, one thing that Peter uh, spoke of, uh, namely, in both letters, was he referred to it as scoffing at God. Scoffing. Now, we would probably say mocking. And that bears a lot of content, more than what readily meets the ear or meets the eye. Uh, scoffers and mockers, uh, in his speaking here, were, I believe, both uh, in extreme measure and maybe even in minimal measure, because either one it be, whether it's a little bit of mocking and a little bit of scoffing or a whole lot, it's still about the same thing, and it's very dangerous. And Peter brought that out, and he began to talk about that. And that's where I want to pick up this morning over in this uh, third chapter of Peter, Second Peter. There's several scriptures we're going to cover this morning, but uh, I want to read one verse, uh, and that be uh, verse number three of chapter three, and then we're going to move on down the road here a little bit to some more verses. He says, uh, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. So there's your word scoffers. And he picks up on that and he begins to carry it forward as he proceeds on in this particular writing, actually towards the end of the letter. Uh, maybe not in that particular word, but he begins to address some things and we're going to pick up uh, here at verse 11 in just a minute. But I want you to take note, ask you to take note anyway, of what he just said here in verse 3, in the, in the, in the last days. Where have we pretty much identified as of late, even back a ways, we begin to identify, the churches begin to identify, biblical historians and researchers and scholars and you name it, have identified we're in the what? Last days. So, seeing what we see, that word is used in multiple writings in the word, see, seeing, watching, that kind of thing, being observant. Uh, seeing what we're seeing today, it's almost like we could overlay this with our society now of the scoffing and the mocking and all the things that are taking place against not only God, but now the people of God. You're a bunch of weirdos that are out of date. And, you know, we need to have our good time and our sinful times and our wicked times and uh, regardless of what y'all say, and this is a growing, growing thing that we see. Not the subject, but just kind of a little bit of uh, groundwork here as we start. We're going to go to verse 11. He 
he's talked about previous above that um, ungodly men he's talked about uh, the Lord not being slack concerning his promises we know that don't we I hope you know that that means if God promises something he don't slack off on it God keeps his word the word is the word of God so God keeps his word on the other end the emphasis here and the push and the pull is that Christians should also keep the word and we keep the word by living the word that's the emphasis okay that, that's Peter's drive here uh, and he, then he, in verse 10 he, he begins to talk about the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night and he really gets dramatic here because right after that he talks about a great noise and all the elements melting with a fervent heat now that gets kind of the a horror scene right if you can imagine that but he's bringing all this thrusting it forward in his conversation his spiritual conversation with us here or his letter here for a purpose he's, he's bringing people to a knowledge of where they need to be in a relationship with the Lord or in a life of Christianity that's what he's driving for all the way through here now he's going to say it now he's getting ready to say it he's, first word here seeing him first word in verse 11 is seeing this is much more than just something appeared and I saw it this means by all observance by the factual implication of Holy Scriptures, by spiritual ability, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what he's speaking prior of, basically earthly elements, and that's kind of can be far-fetched from, from our imagination even because we're used to this thing being here, right? We're used to everything we have being existent. We're used to this being here. But God's Word is true and God keeps His Word and God's promises are real and true and correct, right? Amen. So what Peter has presented as well as others is that all we see and all we're familiar with and all we know and all we possess and all we have that one day is going to dissolve with fervent heat. And that's got to be done so as you know because this thing's contaminated and polluted so God's going to bring back a pure state, a new heaven and a new earth, right? Amen. That it's uncontaminated, unpolluted, holy everywhere, nothing unholy, nothing ungodly. So this is what Peter's been talking about up to this point. When he's t and he's, what he said in the first part of verse 11 here, that all this is going to be dissolved. But then he says something really, really awesome. Right here. Now I'm going to read the whole thing. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? What sort of people? What manner? What sort? How should you live? What should you be? How should you act? What is life? Lifestyle. This is a question. Now again, understand, he's, he's taking this now to an individuality. 
He's talking broadly to this point. He's talked about church issues. He's talked about world issues. Now he's bringing it right down where it belongs. Right in the middle of little old me. Every individual. And this is a question we should ask ourselves. What manner of person should I be? How should I live? What should I do? How do I know what I should do? How do I know how I should live? Right here. Right here. What difference does it make? See, the scoffers and the mockers, it don't make any difference to them. That old antique book y'all so proud of and got your head in all the time, we don't need that. That's what scoffers and mockers think, which is a, a huge percentage of the world makeup now. They're going the world way. They're, they're going the ungodly way. They're going the unholy way. They're going the sinful way. So yeah, anybody that lives by the word of God, of course they're going to look really strange to them and they're going to scoff and they're going to mock. They're even going to scoff and mock God. But we, where we make up the difference is how we live. What sort or what manner of persons, if the word is ought, should, we'd be in all holy conversation and godliness. Conversation there simply means lifestyle. The way we live. My Bible says in all. Does your say say in all? Or some? Or a little bit? Does your say all too? See, here, here, here is a, a tiny, tiny word that is so significant. Because there's a lot of little bitters or some waters or kind disorders. I've really, for quite a while, paid a lot of attention where I find the word all in the word of God. I know he's all powerful. He's almighty. He's all present. He's all knowing. And when he relates a word to me or to us that includes all, we really need to be paying attention. Big attention. Okay. What is holy conversation? What is godliness? Holy means several things here separated from. Pure. Not like. Many times if we if we don't understand maybe something or, or we don't understand a particular word or whatever, I urge you to find the opposite and compare it. So we know what the opposite of holy is, it's unholy. We know what the opposite of godly is, it's, it's ungodly. And we can come up if we allow ourselves to really make a drastic comparison and, and should realize pretty much instantly the difference, right? Look at verse 12. Now, he's on his same path here. He's not changing. This gets deeper. That's where he's going. He's going into deeper territory. Verse 12 says, Looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God. Looking for. Requires something, doesn't it? 
Looking for here literally means searching forward with a believing expectation of what? You can see right here. Looking forward, searching forward, watching forward with a believing expectation. And you got to have this too, with a mind of faith. Believing and faith goes together. Unto the coming of the day of God, which is the ultimate return of Jesus Christ. Right? We all believe that, right? Yeah. The Lord is coming back to this earth. Amen. What Peter's saying, and this, this is where your focus needs to be. This is where your observation needs to be. Not on this, but on the future. On the day of God, which is sure to come because the word of God declares that it's going to come. He said, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. He says it again in a question this time. I cannot begin to try to draw you a picture and I don't think anybody on this earth could, the most eloquent artist or whatever you might find and come up with, could ever begin to depict what Peter's talking about right here. The day of the Lord, the day of the coming of the Lord, as he's describing it right here, is something that's totally out of our imagination, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen just because we can't imagine it. <coughs> and a deciding difference, and he's incorporating this, and he's interlacing what he's saying, he's describing this ultimate coming, but he's also lacing it with the individuality of Christian lives and how we should live. And preparation for that day. Thirteen. Now, remember what he's talked about. Oh, this drastic man, this this amazing culmination of not just the age, but of the world. The world's been around a long, long time. But it He's saying this is getting ready to change in drastic measure like nobody's ever seen before. That's what he's led us up to here. But then he says, nevertheless, regardless, anyway, with all this going on anyway, we, another word, another word we, I like to ask this question, who's we? Who was we to Peter? Everybody he's talking to. Everybody that's associated. Everybody in relationship. He's trying to bring people where they need to be. That, that's the thrust and the emphasis of what he's saying. He's trying to bring people like preachers today are trying to bring people where they need to be. Into an understanding. Into a knowledge. Into a relationship. A true, real relationship with Christ. Not just word spoken. Not just acting like, but a real relationship with the Lord. And this is how you do it. The Word is what brings people into relationship with the Lord when faith is applied to it. It goes on. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, here's the word again, look for. 
watch forward with an expectation, if you will, observing ahead with a belief of what? Breathing. For such things. Be diligent. Back up to verse 13. Looking for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. See, there's going to be one dissolved and there's going to be another one brought into being. What's, if you haven't caught it yet, what Peter's trying to, to present here is in preparation for the new one, we cannot have our ties to the old one. If we kept, keep everything tied to the old one, at least let's talk about this, in a worldly sense, or in a, a, a sense that we're addicted to everything about this present situation, then the new one, more than likely, one will never see. There has to be a detachment. There has to be an understanding that there's coming a day when this one's going to be gone, but God has promised another one. Now, he puts a lot of things into this. Whether Even though it's a short passage of Scripture, there's a lot of information in this right here. To all of us. There's that word all to every one of us. All means every one. Nobody left out. We all have been presented a wonderful promise. We all have been given the grace that we didn't deserve. But because we've been given the grace we didn't deserve, we have been given a wonderful opportunity to have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, who is coming back one day. Things are going to change, but praise God for those who look forward with a believing heart and a mind of faith accepting the promises of God are going to experience this new heaven and new earth. Peter well, talking about. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise His name. Amen. Notice the latter part of verse 13. Wherein dwelleth righteousness? nothing but no unrighteousness in this place Peter's talking about isn't that going to be great does anybody just want to put blinders on and stop your ears up in this world today and even put something around you where you can't even feel the junk can, can you even kind of a little bit tiny imagine what Peter's taught you can you imagine a new heaven and a new earth that's just totally righteous and pure and holy and wonderful and glorious and nothing like this place. Amen. Thank you, Lord. What a, what, a, what a wonderful preparation God has prepared for us. Now, <coughs> verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for, there it is again, that you look for, now please understand, this is not just mere observation. Again, he's still talking about the same thing. You've got a forward-looking attitude. Your, your fixation is not on this world, even though we've got to live in it, I understand that. But your fixation is not on this world. Your fixation is on where Peter's talking about. Right. Looking. Be diligent. <coughs> that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Let's take that first one off. What is peace? Does anybody even know anymore? 
But it's here, isn't it? Let's read it again. Look what it says. That you may be found of him. Let's just back up here a minute. You may be found of him. Found of who? It's talking about God. How do you get found by God? He knows where you're at. So how do you get found by him? Is that what your Bible says? It's what mine says. That you may be found of him. That doesn't mean just merely discovered. Like an object. You find an object. Or he, he found a you. He, like I said, he knows where you are anyway. He don't have to find you. This has a very significant meaning right here. You can only be found of him when you yourself find the only thing that you can find that will lead you to being found of him in the end. Make sense? And that only thing is a relationship through Jesus Christ. So we're not just talking about a mere discovery here. What I'm trying to say this morning is if you're going to be found, notice the word of, not by. It says of God. You're going to be found of Him. You can only be found of Him if you are a part of Him. Okay? If you're not a part of God, you're not going to be found by Him in this essence. Nobody is. Even though, yes, He knows where every individual on this earth is, this is a spiritual thing. This is a personal, individual, spiritual thing. In what? Peace. Notice it didn't stop there. Found of Him in peace. Peace with who? How about Him? You ever heard the term peace with God? You better make you peace with God. You ever heard that term? Oh, yeah. That's pretty important, isn't it? We can only make peace with God through His Son Jesus and through confession and repentance. Right? Here's the found. This is where we God is we're found of him. And it's a great thing. What an opportunity, huh? Amen. That by what I guess really we could record as a, as a fairly simple thing, just by accepting and receiving and realizing that we're sinners and everybody is, has been, that we can express our belief, we can look forward into salvation with our belief and trust, with a mind of faith that I'm giving myself to the Lord and when I do, He's going to save me and deliver me and set me free from the bonds of iniquity, from sin, wash and cleanse me and make me whole, that I can be found of God, but in peace. We've got to have peace with God. we also got to have peace with each other. I don't know if there's ever been a time as there is now when families can't even get along. Yeah. There's no peace in families. There's, there's no, no peace in society. You observing the same thing I observe? I've used this term many times, chaos everywhere. Chaos isn't peace, whether it be in a community, a nation, a home, a family, whatever. Chaos in an individual is not peace. 
and there's people walking around literally by the multitudes who have nothing but chaos going on in their lives. How do you get real peace? It's only one way. Through the one who hung on a cross, just like that one right there, Amen. whose name is Jesus. Only way you can get real peace. Of Him. Of Him. You can't make your own peace. You can't fabricate your own peace. Oh, you might get a little settleness. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. You might convince yourself everything's fine and well, but if your soul's not fine and well, you're not at peace. Amen. But you can be. You can be. Found of God in peace. And he said, without spot. It's interesting. Without spot. I just said we're all been sinners. If you understand spot the way I believe the Bible's implying it here, spot is something that there's no will to change or desire to do anything about it. You just it's okay, just leave it. Well, the significance is spot biblically is related to sin, ungodliness, unrighteousness. That's what spot many times is related to. So it's undone about, nothing done about the situation that I could do something about if I would only accept and receive Christ. And we all have that opportunity. Believe you me, there are going to be a lot of people when this thing winds up that are going to be wishing they had done something about their spots. <coughs> they would have asked the Lord and let Him come into their life Forgive them of their sins, accept Him as Savior and Lord, and be on the wonderful, glorious trip to glory. Amen? Amen. Sadly not. Okay. And blameless. Literally means innocent. Can you make yourself innocent? Can you declare yourself innocent? Yeah. Happens all the time. Declaring yourself as innocent, being innocent, two different things. I can do something I know is downright dog guilty and say I'm innocent all day long. But that don't make me innocent. That don't make me blameless. There's only one thing that makes one innocent and blameless. That's the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The blood of the Lamb. That's what makes us innocent and blameless. Found of God, blameless. Back up where we started. What manner of persons ought we to be? This isn't just food for thought. This is direction for righteous living, folks. Verse 15. An account, he gives credit right here. What he's doing is getting ready to give credit, Peter is. He says, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Now, there were a couple of points where Peter and Paul were at severe odds with each other. One of them was when Paul was chasing Christians, arresting them. 
And Peter had real issue with that, and you and me probably would too. Would you say there might be a little trust problem right there? Amen. This guy's been chasing and arresting Christians and putting them in jail. Now all of a sudden he, he, he's imitating becoming one of us. That's what they thought. Then another point was when, if you remember, if you know the Bible, where Peter was in, I believe it was Jerusalem, and Paul was there, and Paul saw Peter not meeting with, with uh, other than the Jews, which the message of Christ is to all, right? And he pretty much scolded him about it which brought Paul around to another understanding. I know that's another lesson we're talking about, but what I want to bring out here is the camaraderie between Paul and Peter that's evidenced right here because Peter has given Paul full credit saying, brother in the Lord, so to speak, my comrade in arms, the one who's with me in this, and this just goes back to peace. If people are not at peace, they can't function well. Amen. And he goes on, matter of fact, continuing, he says in verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking of Paul's epistles or his writings, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or wrestle, struggle with, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Paul said a lot of things. At least Peter's referring to Paul here. Paul said a lot of things. And this is something about the Word of God. There are things that you might not understand. And Paul wrote things. Him and Peter had conversations. They had conversations with others. They ministered to people. And, and some of these things that were said were hard. Hard sayings. Hard to understand. Not, not in the concept of just receiving it mentally, but take and receive. There were some licks thrown. There were some punches given in the aspect of the Word of God and the ministering of it. But now you see how Peter's referring to Paul? Unity. Togetherness. It's brought out here in these scriptures. He says in verse 17, You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before. Before when? Before the Lord comes back. You know it ahead of time. You know it before time. That's why, said, that's why we, the word over and over and over again talks about the day of the Lord. It's going to come as a thief in the night. And we're giving you these things before that happens. That's what Peter's saying here. Beware lest you, listen to this, beware, what's beware mean to you? What? Look out. Look out, take warning, caution. Beware lest you also, me also, we also, being led away with the error of the wicked. And there's a lot of them. Errors are caused by strayings. Strayings are caused by temptations. Things are caused because of refusal to change lifestyle. That's an error. That's a great error. If you refuse to change your lifestyle in accordance with the Holy Scriptures of God, that is a huge, great, terrible error that one is making. Okay? 
This is what's going to get us out of here to the right place. The belief in Jesus Christ, the belief in this word. Look at what he says, though. Being led away from the air with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Uh-huh. How can you fall from something if you're not there to start with? What's steadfastness? Solid ground? Secure place? Fixed? So there is an ingredient here that everyone, all, is subject to falling from what? Steadfastness. Because of error. There's a, there's a guiding point here, a compass point, if you will, in attempt to keep people on course. Proper course. And the only proper course that we can look at and be directed by is this right here. Not our own. Not somebody else's. Opinions don't work. Thoughts, ideas. We don't think like God. We don't have the mind of God. He's the one that willed this word. He's the one that brought this word about. We're given this word to do what? Look at, walk off, and leave it alone? No, to live by. Amen. To live by in all aspects. I'll admit, sometimes it gets to be a chore. Sometimes we got to back up and say, boy, I messed that one up. But let me change, right? Let me repent. Let me go back where I started here because God's word just showed me something that I was mighty wrong in. And I need to correct it. But grow in grace. Here we go. But grow in grace. Is that possible? How do you grow in grace? What is grace? We know it is the unmerited favor of God, right? The gift of God Jesus brought on the cross, right? Amen. How do you grow in grace? You grow in grace by doing grace. Now, we, we're not God and we don't have the favor, but we are the instruments of God, right? Amen. So we grow in grace by doing grace mm -hmm. by being graceful appreciating the grace of God first let, let yourself be found in all instances being thankful to God for the grace that he brought mm -hmm. that he delivered for the peace that he gives us for the joy that we're able to have in our hearts and lives and for a lot of other things that I can't don't have time to stand here and name because when God gives God gives but we need to be grateful Grow in grace. Opposite, don't fall from your steadfastness. Grow in grace. If you grow, it's like this is like a remedy. If you grow in grace, you won't fall from your steadfastness. Okay? Does that make sense? So continue to grow in grace. And we do that by applying the very things that God's Word gives us to apply. Love, peace, joy, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, and temperance. Fruit of the Spirit. Check them out sometime. You might like them. People might like you a whole lot better if you will, but apply them. Amen. Me too. I'm with you. Sometimes we fail in things. But that's, that's just one example. Out of, we grow in grace by living the Word of God. That's where we started. What manner of people should we be, ought we be, in holy conversation and godliness? 
grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Amen. to him be glory both now and forever Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. I gotta ask you a question. Closing. You can answer this yourself. What manner of person are you in holy conversation with God? in a huge and great way an invitation to respond what kind of person what sort of person what manner of person are we all how do we see what Peter said here what's her view of it Again, is it something we walk away from and say, well, that was a pretty nice little sermon the preacher delivered this morning, but, or do we take it to heart and pledge ourselves to grow in grace that we not fall from steadfastness? Let me tell you something. There's nobody immune from falling from steadfastness. Nobody. It doesn't take very much at all. I think that's why the word error is used because we kind of think of error as a small thing. But the wrong error leads to some major problems. And sometimes we need to be careful what we do. And think about it. We grow in grace in doing this also a growing knowledge of the Word of God that we don't get tripped up. That we don't allow temptation to take us over and cause us, or not cause us, but tempt us to do things that we do ourselves. A lot of area that we could look into further here but we're gonna we're gonna end right there with that invitation I want you to think about that you might not make a decision you might not even answer that question right here you might be so stubborn and proud you're not even gonna try to answer it that's your problem not mine there's a lot of people that way I'm not changing I, I refuse everybody has got their own decisions to make I hope my prayer my hope is if there's anybody here that needs to make adjustment that you do that today. Peter said, how did he say the Lord was coming? As a what? Thief in the night. You're not going to recognize. You're not going to know. It's going to happen too quick. Did you realize that there's very possible somebody here only one heartbeat away from this? may not be the day of the Lord coming but it may be the day for you one heartbeat that's all it takes the lack of one heartbeat 